Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash doctrine. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, elder candidate at Redeemer Fellowship. What's up, man? Nothing, nothing. What's up with you? I don't know. Feeling pretty good. Yeah? I feel like one of the things that I, I think about frequently, and I've thought about this for years, and I think about it almost every day. Mm-hmm. That I never have to do homework again. Why, dude? Why? I never have to study for a test. Stop again. It. it is it is a real blessing, you know, to be a dad and to be a husband and to be a pastor. And not, I don't have to worry about those things. I can focus on things that I like. How are things going for you, man? I have a test that I got to do. <laughs> after this, actually, after we're done recording, I have to uh, do a math test. Yeah. Well, at least it won't take that long, right? Uh, it's like it's like by fifteen minutes. Do a little. It's like a quiz. It's a couple hours. Oh my gosh! But you know, Why? so I just sit here. I post up. Just who cares? Sometimes I I put a movie on. Yeah. Oh yeah. I just have some in the background totally. while I'm doing it. You know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you should. Uh, I'll, I'll recommend some movies for you. To put. No, nah, I don't want you to recommend any Come movies. Come on, man. No, because I know your movies. I'm not gonna watch. I don't like All those right, kind whatever, of movies. Whatever. All right, give me give me one recommendation. All right, a really good movie. A really good movie that you would like that I would like. Okay, a good movie. That you would like that wouldn't mm. bum you out. Yep, but would be boy. All these TV shows are coming to mind. I'm gonna recommend a TV show. All right, go. Oh shoot, we're on the podcast, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'll just tell you. I watched. A, I watched. I watched. It's a new show coming out based on an old buddy cop movie written by Shane Black. Lethal, Lethal Weapon. Weapon. It's actually, I mean, it's really on the nose. It's like by the numbers. But I actually enjoyed it, and you would like it. It's your kind of a thing. Boom. Uh, well, yeah, it's eighties. You know, that's that's. Kind but it of takes what... place now. I know. But, oh, what? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. But I like the other one. Yeah, me too. But it's really is, it's is, good. Is, is it good. like is it like that though? It is. Like it's it is. Right. yeah no it's fun it's fun man I might like that then. You know what I want to see what Training Day. I heard that they're coming out with show. They are. They are. But they swap the roles. So what? now, like the experienced cop is the white guy, and not Denzel. Um, you got, the Denzel, Denzel killed Denzel, it on that one. Well, listen, I'm not. I'm not admitting that I watched Training Day. That's a hard R movie, so I can't say that I've seen. Wait, that. we can't admit that? No, you obviously you've seen it. You love it. That's like your I've favorite seen movie it multiple, of all time. It, you know what? It actually is up there as far as one I of just, my favorite movies I don't, of all time. I'm just not familiar and don't really remember. You don't really I've remember? That. I'm not sure. Is it bad that I've watched it no, multiple not, times? Oh, I'm not judging you. I mean, no, for real. Is it actually bad? I don't get it. There might be some, uh, you know, issues associated with that movie that people might want to talk about. All I know is the Denzel was magical. Yeah. He said some some bad words in that movie. uh, Yeah. He He says says bad words. Really bad words. He says some. And then those bad bad words go into your brain Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they defile you. They've defiled me. Mm -hmm. They defiled the Are we doing this now? I'm just saying, like, that's. Okay. Well, how about. All right, then how about the movies you watch that you see terrible things and it goes through your eyes and defiles? Are you kidding me? I don't know what you're talking you about. You love like slasher, horror. I pretty much only watch G and some PG no, movies. No, you are such a liar. The right? scary movies you that went, I watch. You went 
downtown for a special screening. Oh, but that was like, that was free, you know, and it was, it was just something to do. What does it mean because it's free, it's okay? Eh, you know, there's, the only director, one thing, director, there's only one thing that's director, free that's And it good. wasn't like that horror of a movie. It was just, All right, what know, was the name of the movie? The Witch. Oh, okay. That's not a horror movie. It might have had the devil in it. See, okay. <laughs> all right, so I'm not, I'm not doing too bad when all I right. say that the fine, Denzel. Fine, fine, fine. You're almost, you're just a little bit uh, more sinful than I am with your intake of pop culture. What are we going to talk about today? Well, actually, today we're going to talk about, finally, our most requested topic. Oh, I know. Okay. Yeah. We have gotten week after week. Oh, yeah. Somebody asking, will you please... Please, please talk about covenant theology. If they didn't say please, I, I wouldn't do it. No, we wouldn't do it. No, but because they, you were nice were and polite. you said it three times. Right. It was, it, 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 it we, we, we feel you. Yeah. And so we thought, okay, we'll talk about covenant theology. Now, obviously, you know, if you, if you listen to this podcast, you know that this is not a formal presentation of key doctrines mm-hmm. that we would give in a sermon or a seminar. Uh, this is not a conference. This is two guys sitting around smoking cigars, and we're talking about theology. So we're going to talk about covenant theology and try to answer some basic questions from our perspective, yeah. which would be a Reformed Baptist perspective, on on covenant theology. So we basically, we just want to encourage you and point you in a particular direction and then equip you with resources to get going, and it gives us a chance to just hang out and talk and unplug for a bit. Yeah. So it's fun for us. So that's what we're going to do. That's it. So, Joe, brief Briefly, how would you define covenant theology? Okay, I would say a few things about covenant theology. Um, first of all, covenant theology, like dispensational yeah. theology um, or new covenant theology, is a way of understanding the work of God in the history of redemption. It is it is a particular perspective on Scripture, and we believe, as covenant theologians, that it is an understanding of the history of redemption given to us in the Scripture. So it's not us imposing a yeah. view, and nobody, of course, thinks that they're imposing a view, but we really don't think that we're imposing a view. We think that the, what we're seeing here is um, how God has operated with um, the world and with his people from the beginning. In other words, uh, covenants are what characterize all of God's relationships with humanity. Uh, we've seen that in the beginning. We've seen it all the way through into eternity. And we'll, we'll talk about those in, in just a bit. So, number one, it's a way of understanding the work of God in the history of redemption. Uh, we see that covenants are what unify the whole of Scripture. Yeah. Whereas dispensationalists tend to see dispensations or epochs or periods of time yeah, in yeah. which God acts in certain ways— they see those dispensations. Acts in certain ways with certain people. Right. And, uh, and then there are very, various other differences between dispensationalism and covenant theology. But we see covenants as unifying the whole of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And covenant theology is one of the distinguishing marks of Reformed yes. theology. You're not Reformed in theology if you're not a covenant theologian. You're not Reformed theologically if you're not confessional. You might be a Calvinistic, yeah, and you might agree with certain aspects of Reformed theology, but part of being Reformed, whether you're Reformed Baptist or just Reformed, meaning paedo-baptist, um, covenant theology is a part of it. So then covenants characterize all of God's relationships with humanity, and that's two primarily Two primary covenants, the covenants of works and the covenants of grace. Right. How would you define those two covenants? So we believe, as we read Scripture, 
that in the Garden of Eden, when God created man and woman, that he created them in his image and established a covenantal relationship with them immediately. Now, the word covenant isn't used in, in this yeah. situation, right? So in, you, know, you read about it in Genesis 1 and 2. But, uh, but all of the characteristics of a covenant are present. An agreement, a contract. Right? So God says, I have uh, created you in my image, and I've given you this whole garden, and I want you to what? I want you to uh, exercise dominion yep. over the creation. Care for I it. I want you to work in the garden. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I expect you to do these things. And there was the big prohibition. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can eat from any of the other trees in the garden. Yeah. You're good to go. But you may not eat of this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day that you eat of that tree, the day that you break this covenantal relationship, you will die. There will be dire consequences. So we had, uh, you know, there were stipulations, there were consequences for breaking it. That is a covenant. Mm -hmm. And we call it a covenant of works because the whole thing was predicated on Adam obeying yeah do this and you will live if you do this right then this will happen and you know some people would say like well, what was the outcome then we don't we don't see it would, what what would have happened if adam didn't eat from the the tree and it, it, of knowledge of good and evil and here we have to kind of deduce some things based on what we see in genesis and elsewhere but when they are finally expelled from the garden uh, God puts an angel with a flaming sword at the entrance. Yeah, yeah. Lest they eat from the tree of life and live forever. And live forever. So most of us believe that this was a probationary period of time before they sinned. Had Adam proven faithful, he would have been able to eat of the tree of life, and they would have been ushered into uh, an immutable state. But uh, that was not a part of the plan, ultimately, and uh, it... it Things uh, transpired in the way that they did. It's a whole other topic. Yeah, yeah. But yes, uh, they were in this probationary period. They broke the covenant of works, and they were damned for it. So there is, and this is, and because Adam represented the whole human race, all of humanity is guilty with Adam for breaking this covenant. We are born with original sin. Uh, we have inherited a sinful nature. We are guilty for what happened in that garden. And that's the condition of all people. All people are in yeah. Adam by nature, Romans 5. Is that what they call uh, federal headship? Right, right, that Adam is our uh, a representative head. Mm. Like, we were all in Adam's loins, they used to say. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so we all descend from Adam. But also, we were. there's another sense in which we are in Adam uh, federally, so that we are guilty with him for his actions. Even Romans 5 spells this out, that... Uh, that we somehow sinned with Adam in the garden. We're guilty for that crime. So that's the covenant of works that leaves us guilty because we broke that covenant. And mm -hmm. then there is the covenant of grace. All covenant theology, regardless of its variations, and there are variations, yeah. see a covenant of works and a covenant of grace. Now, the covenant of grace is God's uh, promise to redeem his people uh, who have broken the covenant of works. It's his promise to save, to forgive, and to ultimately restore through the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's a covenant of grace, meaning it is extended to people freely. They receive it by faith alone, not by earning it or working for it. Um, so the only condition is that of 
faith, not of any kind of uh, sacramental obedience or uh, merit. Those are the two basic things. And then there are other covenants yeah. that come along, and different covenant theologians explain them somewhat differently on how they all relate together, but they do see them as connected and leading to the same place. So, yeah, you got like the covenant of, like you talk about the covenant of works. So you see uh, the Noahic covenant in Genesis 8. You see the Abrah Abrahamic covenant in Genesis 12, 15, and 17. Right. Mosaic in mm -hmm. Exodus yep. uh, and the Davidic in 2 Samuel 7. Right. Right. You have all these covenants in, in the Old Testament and then the New Covenant, right? Yep. Coming, coming to light uh, ultimately with Jesus Christ, but promised throughout uh, the, the Old Covenant. And so, so like in, in Jeremiah 31. Well, let's, before we go to the New Covenant, let's, just, right. let's just back up for a second. So when we're talking about the I want to get to grace. So when we talk about the covenant of works, um, life was dependent upon our obedience. Yes. We failed. Absolutely, 110%. So death is the consequence and the result. Um, now, immediately in Genesis 3.15, as the curses are being issued upon Adam and Eve and the serpent, in the midst of all of that. Yeah, the Proto-Evangelium. That's right, the Proto-Evangelium. Uh, the, the proto oh, did I say it wrong? No, no, you said it right. Yeah. I'm just saying how my wife says it in German. Oh. Um, so there is this promise. Yeah. The serpent is cursed, but in the midst of it, there's this promise that relates to the covenant of grace. There's this first promise yep. of salvation that the serpent will strike at the offspring or the seed or this coming one from the woman, but uh, that deliverer, that Savior, will crush the devil. He will bring justice yeah. and ultimately make things right. So you get this immediately. I mean, it, it doesn't... The, the sin hasn't even cooled, and yep. God is bringing grace right into the midst of it. Beautiful picture. Then... We see sin continuing in Genesis. It gets bad. It gets as bad as it can get. It was no worse than it is today, uh, but it was as bad as it is today. The thoughts and the intentions of humanity was always evil continually. Yep. And so God brings about a flood. A flood, yep. Catastrophic flood. Kills off everybody except Noah and his family. Yep. Starts over. And then there is this covenant in Genesis 8 that God establishes with them. And the covenant was essentially a covenant of preservation. Yeah. He says... I'm not going to destroy the earth again. Um, and there's the rainbow. Yeah, he gives the sign of this covenant, the rainbow. He says, every time you see the, the rainbow, then you'll be reminded that I've made this promise, and I'm not going to judge the earth in this way again. I'm going to preserve it until the end. This essentially sets up um, a, a clear path for all of the next all of the successive covenants to come down the line yeah. until redemption is ultimately accomplished. And then we have the Abrahamic covenant covenant right yeah and in the abrahamic covenant you read about this like jimmy said in genesis 12 15 and 17 this this is um a man that is brought out of idolatry and paganism singled out chosen elected by god uh and they become god's people right and and so the promise though is made to abraham and to his uh, and to the um the patriarchs that well it's given to him and to the patriarchs right his his physical lineage there are yep. promises made there but then also promises are made to christ and to his people through abraham see, yep. and so it kind of divides into a couple of different ways and again all of this is setting us up for the messiah to come you have then uh and again and what we see in the abrahamic covenant abraham was believed god and it was reckoned to him as righteousness yes. so salvation by grace there but then you have the mosaic covenant um, and you read about this in the Pentateuch, of course. You read a lot of it in, in Exodus, where 
um, God uses Moses to establish a, a, a formal covenant with the nation of Israel yeah. that will set them apart from all other nations. And this has a lot of the elements of a covenant of works. Um, it's not the covenant of works, yeah, but it yeah. has a lot of the element because it's do this and you will live, do this and you will die. Yeah, look at Deuteronomy. Right, exactly. Yeah. See, the, see the mountain that's all green and lush? When you obey me, that's you. You see the dead mountain? <laughs> that's you when you disobey me. And, uh, and, and we see this throughout. This, this, this was a covenant, and, and uh, the author of Hebrews, um, Paul, they speak about the, the, the problems with the old covenant, that yeah. it, it could not bring everlasting life. That's right. That's so right. in the old covenant, there were promises and pointers to the new covenant, uh, and promises and pointers to the covenant of grace. Yeah. But we tend to think that it was not entirely a part of the covenant of grace. So when we're looking at the, at the old covenant or the Mosaic covenant, um, no, and most Reformed guys would say the Mosaic covenant is a part of the covenant of grace. And they would say that it has the same substance as the new covenant. It's just a different administration. So it looks a little different, and there are different, you know, properties to it, and worship and practices and expectations, but ultimately the substance is the same. Uh, and then there are others, you know, 1689 Federalists and the like, and we'll link to these guys, um, and I, I tend to side there, that says, well, no, we, we think people were saved in the Old Covenant, but not by the Old mm -hmm. Covenant. They were saved by the, the New Covenant, which is properly the Covenant of Grace. Like, but, is that where Paul's talking about it's done by faith looking forward? Yeah, yeah, that's a part of that. And, uh, you know, Hebrews talks about this, um, like in Hebrews 8, 6, uh, where the author says, But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, mm -hmm. as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. Yep. Better promises, not the same promises. So there does seem to be, and this is where even John Owen, who is not a Baptist, would say the old covenant is not a part of the covenant of grace. Uh, it points to the new covenant, which is the covenant of grace. So anyways, the, uh, the Mosaic covenant established to govern Israel as a theocracy mm -hmm. to give us types and shadows and symbols of the one who was to come, uh, who would ultimately save us. And from the Mosaic covenant, we get the Davidic covenant, Second Samuel 7, where, king is, where David is appointed to be the yep. king and God promises to him, I will establish your throne and you, there will be a ruler on your throne who will rule not for a thousand years, dispensationalists, but forever. <laughs> forever. Forever. That's it's the promise of the king, right, fulfilled in Jesus. And then there is the new covenant. And you were going to read there. So in the new covenant, we got promises of the new covenant in like Ezekiel 36 and elsewhere. Uh, what were you going to read? Well, I was going to read uh, Jeremiah 31, mm -hmm. uh, verses 31 to 34. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a covenant with the house of Israel, and the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, quote, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Yeah, the promise of this new and better covenant mm -hmm. in Christ. 
That's, that's what all of this has been leading up to. And so covenant theology sees these covenants as structuring the history of redemption, and um, by these, God brings about salvation for his people. Um, there, like I said, the, the Presbyterian or, or, or Pado-Baptist covenant theologians see things differently than Baptist covenant theologians, but make no mistake about it, Baptists historically were covenant theologians. Yeah. You, when you when you read the 1689 Second London Confession, you see this. Um, there is there is a lot of a lot of Presbyterians. I, maybe I shouldn't say a lot. I hear Presbyterians sometimes saying Baptists are not covenant theologians um, because they don't believe in uh, pedo baptism. But the reality is, is it was covenant theology, not just baptism, it was differences in covenant theology that actually brought uh, Baptists and Presbyterians together while maintaining their distinctions. Baptists do believe in the covenant of works and in the covenant of grace. Um, now, we might articulate that somewhat differently, yeah. and we, have, we draw different conclusions, but we have much more in common. People that are saying Baptists don't believe in covenant theology have not read any of the 17th century literature that was written about this very issue, much of which is available, and we will be making some big recommendations for you uh, at the end of this podcast. So, Joe, I mean, there's a lot of information that we've thrown, right? And there's a lot of things out there for people, uh, and we want, we're going to link you know, a lot of articles and uh, resources for them, but people don't, not a lot of people have time to read. Can't read all of that stuff. Can't read all that stuff. Even I can't. Listen, I read a lot. Yeah, I can't read it all. You can't read it all. What would you suggest, man? The if if you want to reach into the higher life of Christianity and experience the Keswick second blessing. Oh, what? What'd you say? I'm just making. Don't, don't do this. Uh, don't don't, <laughs> don't do any of that stuff. Instead, do this. For the listeners of Doctrine and Devotion, Audible.com is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to check out their service. Now listen, my whole family has done Audible years ago. We, we really like Audible. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you want to benefit more, and you're a big reader, you can be a voracious reader, you will only benefit from getting hooked up with Audible yeah. because now you can read when you're not reading. Like you can, you can listen to these books when you can't put your eyes on the page, when you're driving or when you're cycling or whatever it is. And um, the, the cool thing with the three, 30-day free trial, you sign up with Audible, you get you automatically you get a free audio book. You get to choose it. it. Could be any book in their whole catalog, like almost two hundred thousand books. The one that we're pushing this week is the Whole Christ: Legalism, Antinomianism, and Gospel Assurance: Why the Marrow Controversy Still Matters by Sinclair Stinkin Ferguson. Yo, Sinclair Ferguson is the man. This book is important. This is not lightweight reading. This is this is this is. I mean, it's not super academic, but it's yeah. definitely rich, deep reading. And so, you want to get that book? You want it for free? Sign up at Audible. Here's how you do it. You go to audibletrial.com slash doctrine. Go there, sign up, and by doing that, you're actually supporting the podcast. A lot of you want to know, how can we support the podcast? Mm-hmm. Well, here you go. You can do this. It won't even cost you any money. You can cancel the trial anytime you want, and you still get to keep the book that you choose to download for free. Boom. So, Joe, why does this all matter? Yeah, covenant theology. Yeah, why, why does this matter? Why should we even care? Why should we you know, study and... and figure out what we believe about this. Well, I think you, you sort of answer the question there, right? That this might sound to some people like, why? what's the point here? Like, who cares about covenant theology and dispensational theology and all of that? 
it matters because we're trying to understand God's word. Mm. We're trying to understand God. We're trying to understand um, how God calls us to relate to him, what salvation is all about. Um, this matters because it impacts how we understand the Bible. You have a particular understanding of the Bible, yes. whether you know it or not. You've got a lens through which you look all right. and read. And you need to go to the eye doctor to get your eyes checked. You might need, you might need new lenses. <laughs> you might need new lenses. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you're, you're, you know what? Our vision adjusts over time. i got to wear these stupid old man glasses because I can't see anything. And they're he, looks like the, he looks like the old man from Up. They're bifocals, too. I'm so old. So i got to wear the these progressives. glasses. They're progressives. They're, I know, yeah. That, that's even worse. What does that mean? I'm progressive. Yeah, you are that, progressive. That You're all such a liberal. Things. So, I uh, I got to go in and get my eyes checked because my eyes keep tending to drift. They correct the lens. The lenses uh, are your theological grid by which you're able to make sense of the scripture. So uh, it matters for that reason. If you yeah. want to understand God and understand your Bibles, then covenant theology matters. Dispensationalism matters. Uh, in our case, we would disagree with dispensationalism in many respects, not in every respect, um, and we would say, well, that's where we're going to differ. But, yeah, it's a, it, this does matter, and so you're going to want to pick up some resources here. Jimmy, I, what have you read on this that you have found to be you know, particularly helpful on, like, what, um, like where, would, where, where should some people start? If they wanted to get into this, what are, what are some resources that you think are helpful, or maybe one that you've read recently? Yeah, uh, the one that I read recently was uh, The Distinctiveness of Baptist Covenant Theology by Pascal Denault. This guy is a French-Canadian with a great beard. So there's a lot of good things happening in our backyard. Okay, I'll tell you this. I wasn't thinking about Pascal when I was talking all that smack about Canada. Or Tim Challies. So anyways, uh, no, I love Tim. I'm just messing around. But, but here's the thing. What makes it even harder for Pascal Denault is he's French-Canadian. If you think I got bad things to say about Canada, oh, just start me on French-Canadian. Well, first of all, hold on. Here's the thing. Even Canada hates French Canadians. <laughs> no, that's not even that's not a joke. I am that I am 110% anyone that's on there. Come on. The Quebecois, people that are from Canada will understand what I mean by that. Come on now. Your own system of government allows you to have a voting block that is trying to they get money. They get federal they get government they get money from the government, right? And their whole mission ultimately is to secede from Canada and become their own country. Well, you'd like that, though, wouldn't you? They just don't want them taking the money to do it. Is that what it is? You want the, you want the Frenchies out, don't you? D wait, what? what? The what French mean, want the French to get out and make their own thing? The French want to get out. Yeah, so let them go. No, Canada wants them. Oh, they want to keep them? They want to keep them. I they hated them. No, well, they hate them. but Okay, they, I think Canada needs some counseling. They, okay? Yeah, that's, they need some good help. That's pretty so anyways, good. yeah, so even Canada is not a huge fan Listen, Pat, of the French Canadians, though but, I will say on my bucket list, I do want to go to Quebec. You would. Why would I? What Pas do you mean? Of course I do. There's only one reason beautiful. to go up there. All right, what? Pascal Denault. That, this guy <laughs> is, he is wicked smart, and uh, he'll engage you online. He's super cool. Look him up. Follow him on yep. Twitter and Facebook and all that. But that book really goes into uh, the history of covenant theologians and covenant theology uh, among Baptists in the 17th century. So it's, it's really, really good. Plus, um, I would say pick up... Uh, Recovering a Covenantal Heritage. Uh, it's a, a I haven't book. read that one. Yeah, What's that? Who's that by? Uh, well, hang on, it's right over here. Sorry. Let me see that. No, I have not read that. Yeah, Recovering a Covenantal Heritage is a, is a collection of essays on Baptist Covenant theology. Oh, by Barcelos. Yeah, editor. Barcelos. Is yeah, the he's man. the editor. Who do you got? Let's see. And so here's the thing, guys. Like, 
here's what we want to do. This, this is something that we actually are, are praying about. We would love to connect with guys like uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Jim Renahan. Or, uh, yeah, he's on here. And, you know, Sam Barcelos Renahan. did write in here as well. Yeah, Barcelos would be great. Barcelos, uh, Renahan. Barcelos. Denault is in here. These guys Weaver. are amazing. You read this. You read that Hicks, book, dude. That is. This. Can I borrow it? These guys are. Yeah. These guys write are it? writing. No, you can't. Write James it. White's in it. Yeah. So get that book. It's really good. It's a, it's a beast, but um, that'll really help to orient you. We'll just recommend those to begin Ooh, with. Ooh, Tom Nettles. Yeah, man. Tom, sorry, Tom Nettles, uh, I guess, you know, endorsed it. It's Tom Nettles is the reason I went to Southern Seminary. Tom Nettles is the boss. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, what does he He says, this is a, a thoroughly enjoyable book. I wish I had. I wish I, I had oh, wow. had He's such so a glad book. you're reading his endorsement right now. I'm sure he's great. I, I wish I had had such a book when I began my theological journey. I sincere thank a sincere oh thank gosh. you to all the contributors. All right, let me just apologize right now to you know what, Doctor Nettle. It's fine. I I am saying it in the best way. Yeah, if you're having a hard time reading the blurb on the back, you might have a hard time. You know time how I, I got to say it. Why are you making fun of my condition? Just read it in your head. Don't read why it out loud. Why are you making fun of my condition? I'm just saying that's not funny, dude. So are we going to do? There's that? a chapter, the flaw. Hold on. Chapter oh, yeah. nine. No, why are you going to poke the, the bear? The fatal flaw of infant baptismal. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! All right, let me What's say it again. With you? Shh, shh, shh. The fatal flaw of infant baptism: the dichotomous nature of the Abrahamic covenant. By this is uh, Doctor Jeffrey Johnson. JJ. JJ. I'm All right, man. Do listen, listen. Do we have time for mailbag? Yeah, we do. Can I borrow this? Off? Yes, you can borrow. I know, it. but can I mark it? No. Then what the heck? Why Get your own. You got a book budget? I don't have a book budget. Yeah, you have your own book budget. I got my own. My, my, all right, all right. My book budget is maxed out. I've got like a dollar seventy-five left for the whole year. Got a dollar. Uh, you might be overstating I'm not over. that. Nope. Not no, over. no, you're overstating that. Oh, I might have ninety-eight cents. No, you might be over. No, I'm not over. You're over. Nope. All right, here we go. Hold on. Let's look. You can do mailbag. We got enough time for. Let's see. One, maybe two questions. It could be short. I got stuff to do. All right. Well, what one. are we at? How many minutes are we going? Thirty. Okay, we can we can All right, here we go. cut loose. Presby Baptist Ecclesiology says this. Hi, Jofo. I'm a 1689er like yourselves, and this morning I came across paragraph 15 in chapter 26 of the church. Do you want to pull that up? Uh, while you pull that up. It, is essentially, it essentially says that when there is a problem with a particular church's doctrine or administration, it is to have representatives from their congregation meet up with representatives from other local churches to discuss the issue. However, the confession says that other local churches have no jurisdiction over the problem church, so they can't handle the problem or enforce the solutions themselves. So to what degree do we Baptists have accountability to other local churches since we don't have a presbytery like our sprinkling brothers and sisters? Does Scripture warrant presbyters over churches in an area? Uh, is This is Andrew from Atlanta. A.A. A.A. Um, so the bottom line here is Ooh, that- he says this. Hold on. No, he P.S. doesn't. No, he does. No, this okay. is real. This mm-hmm. is real. Oh, this, no, you're making it up. No, I, I promise you. I'm, this is it. I, it's way at the end. P.S. I joined your liturgy one Sunday in mid-July and was really blessed. Joe baptized a young high school lady, and Jimmy Fofo preached through Proverbs 3, 9 to 10. I believe it was the week Joe was speaking at 
the Legacy Conference in downtown, Legacy seems to have the Presbyterian thing going on. All right, that was nothing. I thought he was going to, you know. All right, so you thought he was going to talk about your sermon, didn't no, you? No, actually, I, like, thought, I thought he had, you know, he was just saying, I thought it was going to be something else. So, okay, here's the bottom line um, with Baptists. Uh, the Confession and historically Baptists uh, have rejected the idea of a hierarchy outside yep. of the local church to which local churches must answer. So we, we differ with our Presbyterian brothers and sisters on this issue of a presbytery. Um, I, we see that uh, some of us see that there could be assets to that, um, that there could be good things that can come with that. Also, there are some bad things that can come with that. Yeah. And I think they probably recognize the same. Um, we operate the way we operate as we deduce from Scripture these principles, and sometimes there are problems with the way that we operate as well. There's uh, pros and cons to both. Um, but Baptists have always believed in cooperation. Yes. We're big on cooperating together, uh, among Baptists in particular, within confessional standards, but also beyond that, we like to cooperate. So, But Baptists have t- typically um, cooperated together in the context of conventions or associations, and um, they will meet together, they will preach together, uh, they will have gatherings for the purposes of figuring out how to best plant churches and help other churches. And if there are disputes that are not readily settled internally, sometimes they will go, and they should. They'll go to their brothers and sisters at other churches and say, hey, help us walk through yeah. this and figure this out. So but ultimately, it, they don't have the authority right. other than, uh, well, I guess just other than their brothers, their brothers in Christ. Right, yeah, they, they, they're accountable in the sense that we're all accountable to each other, yeah. but there is no authority. And the only thing that one church can have over another in a Baptist context, but what they can do is if you're a part of a cooperation, a network, or a denomination, or a convention, they can say, you guys have gone so Looney Tunes, you're out. Yeah, you're done. You're, out. you're not a part of us anymore. And so they can do that. And in fact, I was a part of, uh, of a local association where we removed two churches wow. from our local association because of serious ungodliness and impenitence on the part of leadership um, in those churches. And uh, we, we just we didn't really have any choice. And yeah, the association voted to remove them. Wow. So yeah, no, we don't, um, we don't answer to other churches or leaders outside of the local church, but we cooperate together and listen to one another. So, Joe. What's up? Are we you, done? We're done early. Oh, yeah, man. I have a math test that I need to get done. math test. I have a math test that I need to get done, uh, and it's late already by us. So. Okay. Um, well, let me, I'll tell you what. Here's, can I thank Jay Bond? Yes, please do. Justin, you are awesome, mm. and uh, we love you, and we appreciate you, and we hope that uh, you will sometime just move up here yeah. and get out of Follow the, the, Lord. the, the Phoenix ghetto and Wait, come no, up to Phoenix the promised land. Phoenix is not a ghetto. Phoenix, Phoenix is not is, a ghetto. Phoenix is like an old, dirty sauna that never shut off. That's like Phoenix. Where do you come up with this stuff? I've been to Phoenix. I know, but here's the best part, is that like we don't prepare for these things, and yet Joe comes up on the spot with something but that's that, what it's like. that magical. No, it's not magical. That's that just what it is. That was magical. I it's just like want a, you to know. It's an old, gross, like, hot box, and it's just been running, and it's it's all just kind of gross. You know what I mean? You've been there. You've been to Phoenix? That, you're right. There and you go. It, it, you're, right, I'm so, just saying, though, that was listen, on the spot. The that's people cold. of Phoenix are wonderful. I'm not saying anything bad about you guys. I'm just saying you live in a hole. 
Um, so, <laughs> Justin, you guys, you guys, just take your family and come up here and live with us, man. Like, don't live with me. I mean, I'm not. Well, I'm Joe, not you, that, no, you got, you got plenty yeah, of room. I you don't got, have any room. Yeah, you do. You got like plenty nine of space. or ten people living in my house. That's well, you know what? Three more is not bad. It's too many. Uh, Justin takes care of all of our editing and engineering needs. Mm-hmm. We thank him so much for what he does for us. Uh, he's been shooting our video stuff for us. Um, if you need audio, video, photo needs, be sure and uh, look up jbondmedia.com. Justin Bond takes care of all of it. If you want to really help us out here at the podcast, you can uh, subscribe. If you're just listening for the first time, go ahead and hit subscribe on whatever platform you're using, iTunes or whatever. Uh, we would love for you to leave us a review at iTunes. That's always super cool and encouraging. As Jimmy says, leave an honest five-star review. Five-star. Um, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. At DocDeVio. At DocDeVio. Uh, Facebook, Dr. Devotion. Dr. Devotion. You can leave us a comment with your ideas, con- concerns. Where do you go for that? Uh, they would go to our website, which is doctrineanddevotion.com. And go where? Contact page. And fill F- out the form. Yeah, fill out there the form. Let us, yeah, we do read it. We uh, appreciate all the feedback. And if you've got something negative to say and it's funny, we will read it on air and make fun of you. Yeah, why not? Why or not? just we'll just enjoy it. We'll just. You recently, you just recently read something about me that I didn't even know was written about me on a podcast, and it was delightful. Oh gosh, I'm still laughing about that, Joe. <laughs> I am still. That is gold right there. Tell a friend. Sharing is caring. If this has been edifying to you and encouraging to you, and it's worthwhile for other people, please share it with those around you. And uh, new pod, fresh pod, hot pod, every Monday and Thursday. See you.